All right, as you guys are making your way to your seats or taking your seats, tonight we have the honor and the privilege of introducing to you a special guest, a first-timer to Red Rocks Young Adults. Uh, a couple months ago in the fall, the YA team had an opportunity to attend a conference out in California, and we were friends with a couple people in the Hillsong California team, and so we texted them, got to go to church in Hillsong LA campus, and the gentleman I'm about to introduce to you was speaking that Sunday, and we were like, man, we got to get this guy out to young adults. We think he's got a voice for the 20-something generation, and lo and behold, he was speaking at our youth retreat this weekend. How many people going up on the youth retreat? Have fun with all those high schoolers, you suckers. No, the youth retreat is amazing. Um, but we were like, oh my gosh, this guy's already coming, so let's see if we can get up the young adults. And we called him, and he agreed. And so um, I believe that tonight, if your heart is expectant, he's got a word from God that can change your life. And so as we introduce to you our speaker, Diego Simla, would you please give a young adult's welcome to our guest speaker tonight, Diego. Bring it on up. Are you excited to be here tonight? Pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your prayer. Can you sing it? I'm just on my own here, Jesus. It's your prayer. with Jesus tonight you know I pray that tonight we have an encounter with Jesus um, it's such an honor to be here in Colorado with you and uh, you know the truth is is that tonight is not about going through the motions and it's not about singing another song because the truth is a sermon can't save your life a preacher can't save your life a church can't save your life a song can't save your life it's only the name of Jesus that can save your life and so the pressure is off if you're here for the first time if you're new or visiting anyone here for the first or second time new or visiting I know we already welcome those that are here but can we put our hands together one more? I know what you're thinking if you lifted your hand. If you lifted your hand, you're thinking that's an amazing round of applause if we were on a golf course. But fortunately, we're here tonight. So one more time, can we welcome those that are new or visiting? Are you happy with who you're sitting next to? Just tell the person next to you, you're the best looking thing I've seen all night. Tell the person on the other side, the one you just ignored, tonight's going to be a good night, and it starts with dinner on you. 
Are you happy with who you're sitting next to? Right now is your last chance to move, if not. No, no one's going to be offended if you move, but... Uh, <laughs> anyone here uh would anyone be married here tonight any married couples all seven of them great any single people here tonight we're gonna have a good night just hold your hand up a little bit longer just, just put it up if you're single. Tonight is going to be a good night. This could be your night. Have a look around. Look. Some of y'all never even lifted your hands before, but you were in worship like this. Lord. Ain't got no ring on it. You say you're faithful. Uh, yes. I live in California, and it's awesome. Um, yeah. Um, and and me, me and my wife, uh, we've been married for five years, and we have two kids, and they're great. And uh, well, actually, they're crazy. But um, we, you know, it's 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 exciting to get to do what we do. We're we're part of Hillsong Church, and um, Brian and Bobby and. Uh, I came out of Carl and Laura Lentz in New York, and now we get to be with Ben and Lucille in Los Angeles, and, it, and it's such an honor to travel. I have actually traveled for two years because I had kids, and we started our church, and so this is actually my first time getting to, to travel bef uh, outside of what we do every single week in and week out, and um, you know, the truth is, the truth is, is that honestly, tonight has to be about Jesus, <laughs> Because you can't, you can't live out the God call on your life without a relationship with Jesus. So if you came tonight looking for anything but Jesus, I don't got it for you. <laughs> so it's going to be a huge disappointment. But tonight we're going to talk about Jesus. Anyone excited to talk about Jesus? Like I said, I, I have kids and, uh, and they're crazy. You know, no one ever told me having kids would be this crazy. No one ever warned me about having kids, what it would actually be like. I mean, getting, getting pregnant, not me, obviously, and um, geez. And then, and then the nine months of excitement and, and celebration, and then, and then my wife goes into to labor, and, and we rush to the hospital, which, by the way, I run every single light on my way there just because I can. And we finally get to the hospital and we kick open the doors and, and then there's like this delivery and you're holding your child. And I'm thinking to myself, like, no one ever told me what it was like to, to be a dad, what it was like to, to hold my child. I have a photo of my child because everyone shows a photo. There it is. And, and you can tell by the look on my face, I wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. <laughs> um, in this photo, you can take it down. In this photo, the moment, <laughs> please, some of you, some of you are stumbling because the biceps, I get it. Um, 
In this photo, the, the, the nurse walks up to me and she says, hey, uh, just real quick, sir, just checking. Are you guys going to be staying the night tonight in the hospital or are you going home? To which I thought to myself, wait, what, we go home? <laughs> like, we don't just stay here forever? No one ever told me that when you're a parent, your kids are your kids forever. <laughs> like, you never graduate from being a parent. No one ever told me that that your kids cost a million dollars. Each of them. And I got two. No one ever told me that your kids get sick every single day. No one warned me. And no one ever told me, don't Google the symptoms that you see. It's like my daughter, her eyes are itchy. We Google it, she's dying. No one ever told me what it was like to be a parent, and no one ever told me how much I would actually fall in love with my kids. That every time I see them, every time I hold them, every time they talk or they run and give me a hug, no one ever told me how much I would actually love my children. Do you know that one of the most familiar, impactful passages of scripture Found in the Bible is John 3, 16. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is the good news of the gospel, that God loved us so much he gave Jesus. That regardless of where we're at, or what we've gone through, how far we might think we are, regardless of our life or the mistakes we've made. God loves you so much, he sent Jesus. In Romans it says, God, he went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. But in his son Jesus, he took on the human condition, entered the disorderly mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. God looked at us, humanity, and saw us from afar, a distant, in our own hurt, and in our own pain, and in our shame, and in our mistakes, and said, nothing is going to stop me from getting to them. I'll do whatever it takes because I am obsessed and I am in love with these people. God, he loves you so much. He sent Jesus. John 10, 10 says that Jesus, he comes to give you life and life to the fullest. Life more abundantly. That's God's plan for your life is that you would leave this place full of his joy, full of his peace, full of his mercy, full of his grace, so full of Jesus, it's overflowing abundantly, that you wouldn't leave this place hurt with no hope, full of anxiety and stress and worry about your future. The other part of this passage of scripture says if Jesus comes to give life, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. 
If Jesus' aim is reconciliation, the enemy's aim is separation. The enemy's only aim is not to get you to sin more. It's to separate you from God. It's to keep you at a distance. It's to get you to leave this place feeling more lonely than ever. And you can be in a place like this with your hands held high and you can be singing every word, but the enemy's aim is to drive a wedge between you and your relationship with Jesus so that you're hurt, broken, lost, with no hope for your future. But I love how Paul finishes Romans chapter 8 by saying, I am absolutely convinced that nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thankable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. And nothing can separate you from God's love. He loves you so much. So the question is this. Tonight, if nothing can separate us from God's love, then why do we feel so distant at times? Have you ever felt distant from God's love? We're going to read a passage of scripture found in Luke, and it's about two sisters in one house with Jesus, and this is a story about their encounter with the Savior of the world. And it says this, as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village and a woman by the name of Martha welcomed him, and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before Jesus, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them saying, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Martha had attitude. She said, tell her to lend me a hand. And Jesus said, Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. Another translation says the many things. But one thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It is the main course and it won't be taken from her. You ever gone out to eat at a restaurant and ate all the appetizers so that you had no room for the entree when it came out? Essentially what this passage of scripture is saying to us even here today, let us not be so fixed on the many things that we miss the one thing. Let us not go through our lives every single day consumed by the many things lest we miss the one thing you ever feel like you're two people living in one body am I the only one that feels that way like there's who it's who I am but then there's like who I want to be like there's the Christ like me and then there's like the world like me like there's the windows down, I'm singing worship music me, and then there's me hanging out the window yelling at someone saying, holler at your boy if you catch me in the street. <laughs> like there's the generous me, and then there's the, my hands are like flypaper me. Like there's the, I'm gonna go to church today me, but then there's the, my couch is pretty comfortable me. 
Like there's the, I'm going to hang out with Jesus today, me. And then there's the, I ain't got no time for Jesus, me. Am I the only person in life that feels that way? When I read this passage of scripture, I find myself both Mary and Martha. It's as if I'm both of those people in one body. But if I'm honest, most of the time, I want to say I'm Mary. I'm always only Mary. Always only at the feet of Jesus. Always only Jesus. But the truth is, most of the time, I'm Martha. I'm always only busy. Always only pulled away by the many things. Can I ask you a question? Not that you have a choice. Have you ever found yourself pulled away by the many things? Let me answer that for you. Yes. Because you're human. What I've realized throughout my life is that without a constant desperation, you will always be at a constant distance. But staying with Jesus, staying in a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't just happen. It's not just built on feelings. Your relationship with Jesus can't be built on situations and circumstances. No, the truth is a constant desperation requires a constant decision. According to research, the average human makes over 35,000 decisions a day. That's a lot of decisions. And if I'm honest, I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life. The other night I was at a friend's house and, and it got late and I let my feelings lead me. And I found myself in a place with no accountability. I made a mistake that I regret and I can't take back. I, I sinned. I haven't even told my wife about this yet, but that night at my friend's house, I ate McDonald's. Some of y'all freaked out. The guy over there got up and walked out. He's like, tattoos, blonde hair, I'm out of here. I had a Big Mac with fries and a shake. And that's a sin because I live in a vegan household. Oh, no, he didn't. But we all make decisions in our lives. And what I've noticed is this, is that the daily decisions we make determine the distance between where we are and where we want to be in our relationship with Jesus. Scripture tells us that Jesus said, one thing only is essential, and Mary has what? Chosen it. She chose it. I don't know about you, but every single day of my life, I want to make this type of choice. Every day of my life, regardless of what it looks like, I want to choose Jesus daily. I want to choose Jesus in my marriage. I want to choose Jesus in my relationships, in my finances, in my studies. I want to make decisions like this daily. I don't know about you, but I want to choose Jesus, like Mary chose Jesus in this moment. So the question is how? 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 
You ever left the night like this and been like, oh, that's a good word. And you're driving home, but you're like, how, how? How? How, how? How do we do that? Two decisions we must make daily if you're taking notes. You don't have to. You just can't get into heaven without them. The first is this. we got to abandon the kitchen daily. Abandon the kitchen daily. This isn't a way out for all the dudes in the place. Abandon the kitchen daily. Says Martha rushed into the room and says, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen? I find it interesting that there are two sisters in the same house with the same access and the same opportunity, but only one of them chose to be with Jesus. And don't hear me out. I'm not saying that... Hear me out. I'm not saying that the many things are not important. I'm not saying that the many things don't have to get done. I'm just saying I never want to get caught in the metaphorical kitchen of my life when the Savior of the world is sitting in my living room. And although Jesus is not literally sitting in your living room, Scripture tells us that he's living on the inside of each and every single one of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 says, we have this treasure, which is Jesus, in earthly vessels, which is us. Which means that every single moment of the day, everywhere we go, everything we're doing, regardless of how big or how small it is, everywhere we take our feet, Jesus is with us. Jesus is with you, and if he's with you, he's for you, and if he's for you, nothing can be against you. We serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ever ask, hope, think, or imagine. You serve a healer. You serve a restorer. You serve a redeemer. He is willing, and he is able, and he is with you everywhere you go so the question is will we go through this life constantly consumed by the kitchen or will we spend time with jesus matthew chapter 11 verse 28 jesus says come get away with me he starts it by saying are you tired anybody tired in this place are you worn out are you burnt out on religion come get away with me And I'll show you how to take a real rest. There's something about the two words, tired and rest, that I need in my life right now. I need more rest than I am tired. Come, get away with me. I want you to ask yourself this question. When's the last time you got away with Jesus? When's the last time you abandoned the kitchen of your life? I want you to write this down. Take time to separate yourself from the many things so you don't find yourself separated from the only thing. Can we in our lives take some time to separate from the many things 
so we don't get caught up missing the only thing. So again, the question is this, how? How? (laughs) How do we do it? You can write this down. Create space in your current state. How do I separate myself from the many things? You got to create some space in your current state. Anyone ever gone to take a photo and it says there's no space? First world problems. Biggest pet peeve. I wonder how many moments in life we're missing that God wants us to experience, but we ain't got no space for it. I wonder how many times we found ourselves in the place where God wants to show up and we want to experience it, but the truth is we ain't made no space. You got to create space in your current state. I think if we're honest, we're all trying to find that perfect time to get away. And the truth is, it's never going to come. The perfect time does not exist for you to get away from the kitchen of your life. It's never not going to be time for you to work. It's never not going to be stress and there's never not going to be busyness. There's never not going to be things for you to do. There's never not going to be things that happen that are out of your control. There's never not going to be classes or assignments or your job or your life or your spouse or your relationship or your kids. you got to create the space in your current state. Because you're not on your time. You're on God's time. And God's time and your time ain't always the same every time. Seven people. Great. I get it. I know. It's like, wasn't this supposed to be encouraging? (laughs) But if we leave here tonight and it doesn't affect our tomorrow, then what are we doing? Like, if all it ever is is a good service, then who are we kidding? Like, your life. It can change, not because of this, but because of him. And if you just know him, you don't have to live the way perhaps you have been living. Psalms 46, Psalms 46. (laughs) Yo, I've been reading that book, Psalms. Psalms 46 in the message translation, it says, step out of the traffic, take a long loving look at me, your high God above politics and above everything. Step out of the traffic, get away from the busyness, take a step back from the chaos, separate yourself from the noise, abandon the kitchen. I used to live in New York City and there was no escaping the noise. There was no escaping the chaos and the madness and the traffic and the people and the sirens and the cars. There was no escaping it. And I actually believed the lie that when I moved to California, things would change. It doesn't. The traffic just looks different. But there's still traffic. 
And it's on us to daily make the decision to get out of the traffic, to create the space in our lives. So the question is this, where am I creating space? Where am I stepping away from the kitchen in my life? And the second thing is this, be with Jesus. I know, it's simple. But I think sometimes we make complicated what Jesus makes simple. Be with Jesus. Now that you have abandoned the kitchen and you've got this space, be with Jesus. I don't know if you're like me, but I often create this space and then I don't even be with Jesus. I got this space, man, I got this 20 minute break, it's for lunch. Or man, I got this space in the week and I'm on social media. So I create the space, but then I connect myself to something that can never give me life. And I wonder why I feel like I'm dying. Because social media isn't the source of our lives. Only Jesus can give you life. Only Jesus can put that breath in your lungs for you to even remotely pour out that praise. Be with Jesus. It says Mary sat before Jesus hanging on every word he said. The band can come up. I know this is simple. Yet there is nothing more profound and essential in life than Mary abandoning the kitchen and being with Jesus. This isn't self-help. This isn't motivational speaking. This isn't life coach material. This is Jesus. My parents, every morning when I used to wake up and I lived at home, they would be sitting by themselves before social media existed reading the Bible and talking to Jesus. And I thought that was weird. Until I got to my 30s and I was like, yo, for real, I need that. Because I can't make it through another day with my kids. I can't make it through another day with my life and my responsibilities without his grace and his mercy. Do you know what worry is? Worry is thinking about tomorrow when you've been graced for today. And if you don't have that grace, you ain't getting through today the way God's called you to get through today. Sat before Jesus, hanging on every word. This is Jesus' way of doing it. Luke chapter 15, sorry, verse, chapter 5, verse 15. It says, massive crowds continued to gather to hear him speak. And to be healed of their illness, but Jesus often slipped away from them and went into the wilderness to pray. Crowds were gathering and Jesus slipped away. I find it interesting that the Savior of the world, surrounded by need, surrounded by urgency, surrounded by people who were hurting, wanting, desperate to have a miracle take place in their lives, and Jesus said, hold on a minute, I got to slip away to be with the Father. And it challenges me because what's going on in my life that's so important that I can't slip away from? The Savior of the world slipped away. 
Can we be the type of people that don't just go through the motions in this life, but that we actually create the space and spend that time and space with Jesus? Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, it says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honest as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his wholeness and his grace. Get away so you're not tempted to role play. You ever been asked to pray in like a big group of people? And you're like, oh, Lord. Uh, mm, uh. <laughs> and you're thinking far more about what you're saying because the people around you are listening than the God that you're actually saying it to. It's like, mm, uh, mm, uh, Lord, mm, uh, mm, Father, mm, uh, mm, uh, goodness, gracious, great balls of mm, uh, fire. Mm, uh. Like, what are we doing? Can we get away? Can I just be with Jesus and be like, yo, I need some help. I looked up help in the Greek and it actually means help. It's like, Lord, I'm dying down here. Imagine what God would do in our lives if we actually talked to him like normal people. Yo, Lord, hook it up. My man's got to get it together. Get him a job. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Lord. Can we not be so Christian that we're not normal? I've been reading Psalms 23 in the Passion Paraphrase, the Passion Translation. And Psalms 23 is like one of the most familiar passages of Scripture. But when I read it in the Passion Translation, something about this verse went like wildfire on the inside. Because I'm like, yo, I want that in my life. Can I read it to you? Yes, I can. Shush. It says, Lord is my best friend. Okay, we're done. Right? The Lord is my best friend. Okay. And my shepherd. It's like, I feel like we're not friends anymore. It's like, stop looking to other people to fulfill something only Jesus can. It's like, they really disappointed me. Oh my God, they said we're friends. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Who needs a little bit more than enough? He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. I love luxurious. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace. Tell me more. An oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That is where he restores and revives my life. I'm like, yes! I want that! 
I need someone to restore and revive stuff. That's me. Jesus is the only one that can save your life. He's the only one that can give you the peace that surpasses understanding. He's the only one that can heal your sick body. He's the only one that can restore a relationship and mend a broken heart. It is only about Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the great I am. He is willing and able. He is above all. He is greater than. It is Jesus that can change your life. It's Jesus that can save your soul. It's Jesus that can do what we cannot do. Can you stand to your feet and give Jesus some praise? Come on. It's Jesus. I'll end with this story. You can take the turn. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. He is the one thing only essential in our lives. You can take this her. I will push it off the stage. Thank you. I leave for work every day and um, I have a daughter three years old. Her name's Lux and it's crazy. Yes, we did name her after an Instagram filter, Lux. Oh. <laughs> I leave for work every single day, and just like all of us, we have our lives. And, and as I shut the door, I walk into this world. And I step into the chaos, and I step into the madness, and I step into my job, and I step into the to-do list of my life. Metaphorically, I step into the kitchen of my life, and then... Meanwhile, at home, every single day of my life, my three-year-old daughter is waiting behind the other side of the door for her dad to get home. She's waiting, eager, and expecting every noise. That's why she hates Amazon now. She thinks it's me every time a package is dropped. She gets excited. She sits there like a cat you fed too soon. She's just like waiting for me to get home. And here's my world. It's just chaos and it's crazy and it's pandemonium and it's wild. And meanwhile, on the other side of the door, my daughter is waiting for her father to get home. And I walk home and I open up the door and her eyes light up and her heart pours out and she runs and she jumps into my arms and then she gets really selfish. And she takes me by my hand. She won't let my wife get time with me. She won't let my son get time with me. She takes me into her room. She shuts the door and she says, sit down, sit down. And I try to stand up and she pulls me to the ground. And she says, look at me, look at me. She doesn't say that, but everything in this moment, stop it. I am the captain. Sit down. And in this moment, it reminds me of Psalms 46 where it says, Be still and know that I am God. Every single day of my life, I want to lure my heavenly
Heavenly Father into a place and say, sin with me, be with me. Can we be the type of people who are so in love with Jesus that we would do anything? We would do whatever it takes to be with Jesus. Because Jesus is madly in love with you. He's crazy about you. He's the one thing only essential. And you are on his mind every single day that you live. We're done. But before I get off this stage, I want to pray for one group of people with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place just to give the person next to you privacy. I wonder if you know him. Jesus, I wonder if you know Jesus. I'm not asking if you come to church, if you're a good person, if you're religious, if, if you've done everything right. I'm asking, do you have a personal, real, authentic relationship with Jesus? The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. On the inside of each and every single one of us, there's this God-shaped hole. It's a void that he put there and only he can fill. Though so often we try to fill it on our own with maybe the next career, the next income, the next hire, the next hit. But if we're honest with ourselves, we still lay in our beds at night looking up at the ceiling, wondering why we feel empty. And the truth is it's only Jesus who can truly satisfy the human soul. It's only Jesus that can fulfill your life, friend. Do you need forgiveness of your sins? Do you need your slate wiped clean? Do you need a fresh start if you're in this place and you need Jesus? I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand just long enough and high enough for me to see it. I'm not going to embarrass you and call you forward. I'm just going to pray with you right where you stand. If you need Jesus, hands are already going up. One, Jesus loves you. He died and rose again so that you you can have life too. The Bible says right now is the time for salvation. Don't wait another moment. Three, put your hand up. Come on. If that's you, you need Jesus. Don't leave this place tonight without knowing for certain where you stand in regards to eternity. Come on, lift your hand if that's you. Maybe you made this decision before and if you're honest with yourself, you're distant from God and you're saying I need to reconcile my relationship to him. You lift your hand up as well. Come on, if you need Jesus, incredible, incredible, if your hand's up, if you lifted your hand or you didn't and you wish that you did, I want you to repeat this prayer after me along with everybody else in this place, asking Jesus into your heart. It is not the prayer that saves your life. It's opening up your heart and allowing Jesus in that saves your life. But you repeat this after me along with everybody else. Say, Jesus. Come on, say, Jesus. Come into my heart. Wipe my slate clean. I am a sinner. I need your grace. I confess in my mouth, I believe in my heart that you are God, and by your grace, I am saved, and by your power, I'm set free. Tonight is a new night. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on. Come on, one more time. Can we put our hands together for everyone that made that decision? Our team is going to come up and help you with your next steps. But if you lifted your hand or you made that decision in your heart, you got to know this. It's the best decision that you could have ever made.
In one moment, you went from death to life. The old is gone. The new is here. It is a fresh start. Jesus is madly in love with you. One more time, can we thank Jesus for who he is and for what he's doing? Thank you.